Today on Focal Point, Pastor Mike Fabares talks about a hidden problem. Envy's got to be eradicated. It's got to be eradicated. You don't think envy is a problem in our church? You don't think the envy is a problem in your small group? You don't think envy is a problem at your workplace? You don't think envy is a problem at your school? Envy is a problem. It's a big problem. It's a big problem most people don't know they have. Just like ignoring a serious diagnosis, pretending that you don't have a problem with envy won't stop its destructive symptoms. In fact, you'll get a lot worse the longer you wait. Today on Focal Point, Pastor Mike Fabares gives us a tough but much needed reality check about the problem of envy in our lives. And he'll explain why we need to earnestly desire to become free from its pervasive sin. I'm Dave Drewy. And now here's Pastor Mike with the final part of a powerful message called Envy, a Private but Disruptive Sin. Envy is I don't like the advantages and the things that you have that I don't have. I'm going to look at you now with a critical eye, begrudging you. And a lot of things that we're debating on the stage of, of modern evangelicalism really comes down to envy, right? It's like saying that if I could say to everyone who's you know, making $10,000 a year, I'm going to, I'm going to give you $100,000 a year, so you can stop feeling like, you know, those people in the 1%. Well, but here's the only catch. Everyone else who's making over 100000 a year, they're going to make 10 times more than what they make. It's the class distinction. It's the distinction that I don't like her looking better than me. I don't like him being more successful than me. I don't like her advancing in that job or that company faster. I don't like that. They've, I'm casting an eye on you. Is your eye bad because I'm generous? And that principle is gonna come through this whole series. We're gonna to have to understand that from every direction. You have to discern the sin of envy. And you have to understand that that's something that's, that's active going on in your life. And speaking of eyes being cast, do you think social media helps this or hurts this? Speaking of things you put your eyes on all day long. When we look at where they vacationed and how clear her skin looks and how great his car is and you know, where they went again and they took another cruise and they did this other thing. And we, we look at these and we think we're just kind of checking in with those people. And I just wonder how that avenue of my eye being cast on them, it's just, it's great that that, that idiom, and it is an idiom, I get it. It's trying to talk about the feeling of that belligerence and that resentment, but it, it really is so good that it's been maintained through both Old and New Testament because it really is where your eye is drawn and often it's drawn to a place that fuels my discontent, not only with where I'm at, but my discontent that they're at where they're at. We have to be sensitive to this. We have to know it. Let me give you one more passage here. You don't maybe have time to turn to this one, but here's what Solomon said. Solomon said in Ecclesiastes 4.4, Listen carefully. Then I saw all the toil and all the skill in work that comes from a man's envy of his neighbor. And I said, this is vanity and a striving after the wind. Did you catch that? Then I saw all the toil and all the skill in work from a man's envy of his neighbor. And I said, vanity, striving after the wind. Do you know that you can say, I think I just have a good work ethic. And really what's fueling that is, is a sin of envy and envy of your neighbor. The next degree, envy. 
the next thing that you're trying to master, the next book you're trying to read, right? the next promotion you're trying to get, the competency, the skill set. It could be driven by envy. And envy, let's just be, it's sin. Definition, for what it's worth in a series like this, I should at least give you my definition in my study on this topic. Here's how I would put it. Envy is the resentment. Envy is the resentment of others. Ultimately, it's going to go back to God, and we'll get to that. But just a baseline definition. Envy is the resentment of others for their comparative blessings and advantages. Envy is the resentment of others for their comparative blessings and advantages. And here's what we need to catch in this series. And is the source and the motive for all sorts of compounding evils. And it is the source and the motive for all sorts of compounding evils. If we start with that, I think we'll know why we should be addressing the topic and why we should see that envy as a sniper in the grass who doesn't come out like a, like a tank roaring down, the, down the, 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 the road at us with a you know, big gun that's loud. It's, it's stealth. It's covert. It's insidious. But it causes so many other problems, as we'll see in this series. Well, do you have your worksheet there? Look at the reference for the next point. Point number two I've referenced here, Genesis 3 through Revelation 19. That's a lot of ground to cover. And we won't take time to cover all of it. But I do want you to know it's found everywhere between Genesis 3 and Revelation 19. You start looking for this sin and you will see it everywhere. And what I want you to see is you think of just kind of start think, thinking through the Bible. I want you to dread the cascading, compounding evils that come from it. I put it this way, number two, you need to dread the impact of envy. Dread it, dread it. You had a healthy respect for something that can hurt you so badly and hurt others so badly and, and, bring, and besmirch the glory of God so severely. How bad? I don't know. Let's just start, and we don't need to turn it. Just think through with me, starting in Genesis 3. Genesis 3, now the serpent. That's how it starts in our English text. Now the serpent. More crafty than it. Okay, so we've got this figure here, this embodiment of, of Satan. We know that because throughout the rest of the scripture, we know who this was, this angelic being that had fallen. He's going to come and mess up everything in, in mankind. And I just want you to think of a connection that most people do not make. And the early church was all about making it, underscoring it, making lists of saying, do not have envy in your life because they connected constantly the problem of the fall of Satan from passages like Ezekiel 28, Isaiah chapter 14. All of these descriptions of the fall of Satan, they really come back to the problem of envy. I know if I just said quickly, Sunday school grads, why did Satan fall? You'd say pride. And you're right, because the word pride is mentioned in the passage, but read it carefully. What did he want? He wanted the glory that God had. He wanted the glory that God had. It's much like you would see immediately if you're reading through numbers and you see the people that look at Moses and say, how is it that Moses gets to be the hot shot? And you'd say, what's wrong with those people? You wouldn't probably initially say pride, unless in some biblical passage, it described it that way, and you'd be kind of stuck on that, you wouldn't think any further. But the early church thought further about this, and they constantly said the real problem, right? even as the rabbinical wisdom literature put it, is the problem of envy. It is, as Augustine said, the diabolical sin. It's the thing that, that careened humanity into sin, because Satan was envious. He wanted the glory of another. He wanted the spotlight. 
And he said, I want that. I'm going to ascend. I'm going to take the place. I'm going to move there. How come you get all the compliments? How come you get the paycheck? How come you get the corner office? I should be getting I don't like that you get it. And so aspersions are cast on the God of the universe just for being the God of the universe. And I want to be the God of the universe. Envy. Now the serpent. And then you think, well, why did Adam and Eve fall into sin? Well, Eve was, was tempted. How was she tempted? Do you remember how she was tempted? Not like, you're really hungry, you got nothing else to eat, why don't you eat this? I know you're not supposed to. It's not the temptation of Jesus in the wilderness who was told to make bread out of rocks. That's not wasn't a temptation. I mean, the temptation was, listen, God knows that the day you eat of it, you're going to be like him. That's the whole paradigm of Satan's fall. I want what he's got. He shouldn't be the only one with that. Why don't I get that? Hey, here's the thing. Let's see if that'll work with human beings now. Now we have created beings, and here he comes and says the same thing. You know what? He knows you're going to be wise. You eat this, you're, you're going to be like him. Why, why in the world should he have a corner on being the wise one of the universe? Satan, the envious one, appeals to Eve and makes her the envious one. You can just keep going throughout the rest of the book of Genesis. Isaac gets very wealthy. And it says it because of the blessing of God. And we'll come back to that passage in the series. And the Philistines, it says, became envious, right? Why did the nations have such a problem with Abraham and Isaac? Well, because they became rich and they didn't like it. And they went out and it says in the passage, they went and, and, and filled in with earth, right? With dirt, all their wells. It's like they, they didn't want them to be that way. They resented them for their comparative advantages and blessings. Or how about a guy named Joseph who was doing pretty well with his dad because he was the son of his, of his old age. And so Joseph here gets a special coat and his brothers don't get it. And they're going, man, we don't really like this. They didn't say, oh, it's so, I love the relationship dad has with Joseph. It's so great. I must be great to be Joseph and praise the Lord. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rejoice with those who rejoice. They hated him for it. They hated, they were critical. They didn't like him. Why? Because you have an advantage and I don't have that advantage. I don't know why you get that advantage. Why do you get the special clothes? I don't get it. Why does he get to have that? Then he starts telling about his dreams. I mean, I'm, I'm just thinking, but you get a dream about what? All my brothers are going to be bowing. Hey, guys, I had an interesting dream. You're all going to be bowing down to me. Well, they're already envious of you, man. Shut up. Shut up. And they say, we are going to kill this guy. Oh, by the way, I kind of skipped over one of the most famous ones. How about chapter four of Genesis? Abel brings a sacrifice. Cain brings a sacrifice. One's accepted, one's not. Cain says, I don't like it. He gets favor from God. I'm not getting favor. What's wrong? And here, what does God say? Hey, sin's crouching at the door. It wants to, have, wants to dominate you. Don't let it, just do good. You'll be fine. You'll be accepted. Just fix your own problem. We'll deal with you. Deal with yourself here. No, he goes out and kills his brother. Well, that's exactly what the brothers of Joseph wanted to do. And thankfully, because of one, Reuben, there was a, uh, a sparing of his life, but he ends up still being thrown in a pit and sold to uh, you know, marauders coming through and gets, ends up in Egypt. We could go on and on and on all the way to the culmination of the Jewish Sanhedrin looking at Jesus going, I don't like that he's drawing bigger crowds than us. So I'm going to be critical of him and I have power and in my power, I am going to put him down. In this case, let's just kill him. We had it by chapter four that there's fatricide, there's murder of your own brother, and it, all, it comes back to the, why Christ was crucified. All the way through the rest of the New Testament, 
I mean, to summarize the New Testament's teaching on this, how about Titus chapter 3, verse 3? It says, we were passing our days, talking about as non-Christians, in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. I mean, that's like how it works. Why can't we get along? We got problems. It splits churches. You know what splits churches? Envy's at the core. You have to dread the impact of envy. You got to think it through from beginning to end. And maybe you need to start thinking like Chrysostom, fourth century. To what then will one compare to this kind of sin? It's a viper. It's an asp. It's a canker worm, whatever that is. To a, to a scorpion, since there is nothing so accursed and pernicious as this kind of soul, an envious soul. William Law, hundreds of years ago, said the most ungenerous, base, and wicked passion that can enter the heart of man is envy. Chrysostom elsewhere, and he spoke a lot on this, how great of an evil it was that caused an angel to fall. In the context, he was preaching on envy. Preaching on envy in the fourth century after Christ. It's bad. It's worse than we think. It's corrosive. It's going to cause great damage. It's like going to the store and getting that industrial, uh, and you got to find it, like, I don't know if you need, what you need to buy it. Like when you're clogged, if you're, you're living in a house with women with long hair and your drains get clogged up and there's no way to unclog them and you've tried the Drano and it doesn't work. So they tell you there's a special kind of Drano that just like, like bores through whatever's in the pipes. And they sell it to you in a bottle that's in a bag, that's in another bag, that's in a case, that's in whatever, you know how it is. And if you brought that, that acidic, corrosive stuff home in the, in the car, and you were dumb enough to put it like on your leather passenger seat as you're coming home from the special you know, hardware store that carries it. If you saw it leaking out as you're driving, I think you're gonna pull over and deal with it. This is the corrosive, destructive nature of envy and we just need to feel it. We need to see it. This is gonna cause problems. What's, this gonna, what's that seat gonna look like after I try to wipe all this off of it? It's going to leave damage. Envy will be as subtle as you criticizing the person that you are envious of all the way to doing whatever you can to destroy them. And if you can't destroy their life, you at least will destroy their reputation. All because you have got this vice that is the fuel for all these kinds of evils and we haven't identified it, we haven't waged war against it. That's the calling of this series. Dread the impact of envy. I read that passage for you in Titus chapter 3. I don't know if you know that passage, but it talks about us being hated and hating others because our hearts are filled with malice and envy. And then it says, but when the goodness and loving kindness of our God has appeared, he saved us, not because of our works done in righteousness, because man, we were envious and malicious toward people. But he saved us according to his own mercy by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, which he poured out richly on us in Christ. That picture of the Spirit of God. You need to know this, that the Spirit of God is wanting to wage war against this. And maybe he's grieved and maybe he's quenched in your life when it comes to this sin, because you're just not interested. He's trying to hand you the binoculars to look in the field and there the snipers are, and you haven't been interested in that. Because to you, this is not a, this is not a big sin. I, I don't even, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I just wonder how many times have you repented of the sin of envy? Seriously, I bet you've repented of the sin of lust many times. Maybe even materialism and greed. I mean, I bet you've, I bet you've repented many times of outbursts of anger. 
I bet you've repented many times of saying obscene words. I just wonder how often you've got dropped on your knees and said, God, forgive me for the sin of envy, the diabolical sin of the universe. Just, God, I, I'm sorry. My heart is envious. Well, here's what's going to help. And this is the, just the foretaste and, and, and kind of the, the advertisement for what's to come. There's an answer. There's relief. And you ought to long for that. Number three, we need to desire freedom from envy. Freedom from envy. And let me quote the passage there that I have listed for you. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 30. And if you can turn there quickly, it's just a little verse, but it's so helpful. This is what we want. Not only do we want to please God, and God says this is bad, so we shouldn't do it, right? Do not envy. We'll talk about it. Love does not envy. Envy, envy all over the scripture as a problem. And we want to do it because God's told us to do what's right. But in Proverbs chapter 14, I'm just thinking there's, no, there's nothing you should be more, more motivated, at least the next month, to care about than envy because it's going to be good for you. The opposite of envy, this is a contrasting Hebrew parallelism. The envy, look at the bottom of it, is going to rot the bones. And it does. It is like that corrosive, acidic thing that's just going to leave damage. But here's the opposite. A tranquil heart gives life to the flesh. A tranquil heart gives life to the flesh, but envy makes the bones rot. Your life's going to be so much better. You get through this series, can identify the problem, you can attack the problem, you can see God's counterattack to it, but I just want to tie it to the main theme, and the theme is this, that God said he's going to give you his spirit, and the spirit of God is going to work in conjunction with the book that the spirit wrote, it's called the Bible, and together those things are going to help you eradicate this, extricate this from your life. That's the goal. Because as Jesus talked as he was leaving in the upper room discourse, John 14 through 16, he says, he says this, he says, I'm going to leave my peace with you, right? It's a peace that I'm going to give to you. It's not as the world is a different kind of peace. And the point is, the whole topic of the discussion is I'm leaving you my spirit. The parakletos, the helper is going to come, and the helper is going to come, and it's going to help you do a bunch of stuff, including eradicate the vices that are the fountainhead sins of the Christian life. And this is one of them. And the Spirit of God is going to be the answer to this. Matter of fact, one passage real quick before we end. Galatians chapter 5. Almost done. Galatians chapter 5. This list of things that we see in verse 22, the fruit of the Spirit. We preached on that, uh, you might remember, in the summer out in the patio or the courtyard, wherever we were. It's all a bad dream to me that season, but... Hopefully a couple good sermons there. We went through everyone at love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. We preached on every one of those for weeks. Each one, week after week. We didn't start, because I didn't know if we'd have anybody left if I started up where the works of the flesh started in verse 19. But the fruit of the Spirit is the contrast to these outworkings of the flesh. I'm supposed to, Colossians 3, 5, put to death whatever is earthly in me. Well, the earthly fleshly things in me that are in contradistinction to the to the the fruit or the outgrowth of the Spirit, they're listed there. And some of them, like I said, are, they drop like bombs on our life, right? You cheat on your wife this week, bam, you're going to feel that. It's going to be bad. You have a fit of, of anger. You're going to feel it. drunkenness, orgies. I guarantee you, you're going to be like, wow, I, I, this is horrible. Look at verse 21, though. The first word in verse 21, in the list right here, envy, envy. And he says, I've warned you as I've warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. This is a bad sin. How bad is it? Envy's got to be eradicated. It's got to be eradicated. 
Well, praise God, he's given us his spirit. And as he summarizes all of what he says in verses 22 and 23 about love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, here's how it ends. Verse 25, live by the spirit. Spirit wants these things. Let us keep in step with the spirit. Let us not become, and then he summarizes the problem, conceited, provoking one another, and it crescendos to this, envying one another. You don't think envy is a problem in our church? You don't think the envy is a problem in your small group? You don't think envy is a problem at your workplace? You don't think envy is a problem at your school? Envy is a problem. It's a big problem. It's a big problem most people don't know they have. Some people complain of back pain or hip pain or whatever. A lot of times it comes down to their shoes. So weird. I used to sell shoes in college and even in high school I was selling shoes. I know that's weird, but bad pair of shoes. And a lot of people, they for some reason made a sport out of wearing shoes that didn't fit them and were wrong. I mean, let's just picture it this way. You get a pebble in your shoe. That happened to me not, not too long ago, a couple weeks ago. And it was like, it bothered me. I couldn't get to it. I couldn't fix it. Right? It makes you walk different. Not only does it hurt your foot, but it starts making you walk with a limp and then your knee hurts and your back hurts, your hip. It's just like, oh, it's causing all these problems. The problems within the Christian life caused by this thing, it can be extracted, right? The vacuum cleaner, if you will, of, of, of the Spirit of God can take that and take it out. But we've got to stop grieving. We've got to let the Spirit of God identify this. That's the goal. And desire freedom. Look at that word in Proverbs 14, tranquility, right? That's such a good word. Chris Austin preached a lot of Let us then escape from this disease of envy. For if it is not possible, indeed, if it is not, well, then we can't escape from the fire prepared for the devil, unless we are free from this sickness. You'd say, that's guys way overreacting on this. Well, again, I just read it, verse 21, envy is in the list and it says, I warned you, those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. You're looking through social media and your heart is provoked to envy. I'm just saying, do you recognize the issues here? We've got to deal with this. Doesn't mean you can't have a Facebook account or Instagram. It just means you better watch what your heart's doing. We better make sure that we've declared war. This is Focal Point with Pastor Mike Fabares, and you're listening to the conclusion of a message called Envy, a Private but Disruptive Sin. Pastor Mike has more to say on this important topic, so stick around to hear more in just a moment. And if you joined us late or want to listen again, this program is available anytime on the Focal Point app. Well, speaking of technology, it's a great tool, but we all know it has a dark side. So, Pastor Mike, can you talk about the negative impact social media in particular is having on our spiritual health? Yeah, you can be scrolling through those posts on social media and you end up going away feeling discontent. Partly because we're looking at all kinds of things that are better than what we have. Better houses, better lives. We start feeding that destructive disease called envy. And the problem is most of us don't even recognize it. I've written this book, Envy, A Big Problem You Didn't Know You Had, so that we can identify it. We can start to correct this pervasive and corrosive sin. This book's going to look at some of the instances of envy in the scripture, going to help us analyze and expose the problem that's causing harm in our lives. I wrote this book so that you wouldn't let envy lead you to despair. Instead, I want you to know how our kind and gracious Heavenly Father calls us to identify and assault this enemy. Then we can turn all of those feelings into the kind of satisfaction and contentment that God designed for the Christian life. 
Thanks, Pastor Mike. And you can request a copy of Envy, A Big Problem You Didn't Know You Had, when you make a generous donation to Focal Point today. It's Pastor Mike's newest book, and we're excited to be able to offer this excellent resource to our listeners. Call or go online to make a one-time financial gift or become a Focal Point partner by making your donation a monthly gift. To give, please call 888-320-5885 or go to focalpointradio.org. Or if you prefer, you can send your donation and request Pastor Mike's newest book by mail. Our address is Focal Point, Post Office Box 2850, Laguna Hills, California, 92654. Well, I'm your host, Dave Drewy, inviting you to join us again tomorrow for an eye-opening message on the relational damage caused by unchecked envy. Hope to see you Thursday for more Focal Point. Pastor Mike here. Ever wish you could corner your pastor and challenge him with your toughest questions about the Bible, about faith? Well, now you can. Send me your questions. Head on over to focalpointradio.org and click on Ask Pastor Mike. Or send me a note on facebook.com slash pastormike or twitter.com slash pastormike. I can't wait to hear from you. Today's program was produced and sponsored by Focal Point Ministries.